This is a podcast from Minute Media. In the fall each year we all congregate The bounce all gathered at the church of Pilgrim The scriptures reading from the book of Munson Our favorite verse, my God, a freshman German can obnoxious, what you'll face Ain't nothing finer in the land Now the 3,000 of our best friends It's Saturday in that thing Welcome to the Saturday Night Athens podcast. We're a Georgia Bulldogs show by dogs fans for dogs fans. I'm your host, Herschel Gurley, and we are fired up to be joined tonight by one of our favorites, return guest Aaron Davis, coming to hang out with us tonight. Aaron, what's up, man? Good to see you. Nice to see you as well, man. It's, it's been a it's been a complete year since the last time we talked, so um, been a lot going on. But I'm I'm happy and excited that you had me on. Yeah, so it's been almost exactly 12 months since we had you on. You came on and helped us preview the, the dog's delayed season opener last year mm-hmm. against Arkansas. And a whole lot's gone on in your life since then. So why don't you update our listeners on all the exciting things that have happened for you over the last 12 months? Yeah, uh, it's been a uh, different 12 months. I think we all can kind of agree on that. But uh, last time we talked, I mentioned I just started my master's program at UGA and I finished that in a year. So that was a great experience. Um, had a wonderful time. Uh, the graduation uh, like ceremony that uh, Terry College threw for us was like the first event where they were like, you know, hey, this is a, a time for us to celebrate everybody. So I enjoyed that. And uh, shortly after I jumped back into commercial real estate and I'm currently with Link Logistics, which is like basically the industrial arm of commercial real estate that is owned by Blackstone. So Blackstone is like the huge name that everybody knows, but um, that's great. That's me and my career wise. I got engaged. So I proposed to my lovely fiance. It was a a, a wild story how it happened. I ended up being able to do it at Sanford Stadium um, of all places. So I just, that was just the, the excellent spot to do that in. I mean, we had people cheering for us on top of the bridge and, one of those people ended up being our photographer who took our engagement photos and we didn't find out until we took those engagement photos. So that was wonderful. And she's doing great. And she just finished up uh, PA school at LSU. So congratulations to her. Um, but now we're um, back in Atlanta, uh, shaking and moving, uh, working and just getting things going. So I'm excited to be here and I'm pretty excited for some Georgia football as well. Yeah, man, that's so exciting. We're so fired up for you. So have you guys set a date yet? What's what's the what's the plan looking like? Yeah, April 22, April 22. So it's creeping up on us. You know, December of what was that 20 was when when I proposed. And so like, I feel like I had so much time. Um, But the the months are just going by quickly. And so just gearing up for uh, a great day in April, though. Let me give you two pieces of advice from a, from a guy that's been there. Number one, it is going to fly. That will be here like in the blink of an eye. Mm-hmm. But uh, more importantly, just yes, yes, sweetheart. 
Yes. Just, just, <laughs> just, just agree at every turn, brother. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So, well, that's exciting, man. We're so happy for you, Aaron. That's just, that's so awesome. And i um, just so happy to hear that. So I want to, I want to start with you today, not with dog stuff, but there was a big announcement in college football today. Uh, USC, the West coast virgin, or I guess you could say the USC, I mm-hmm. think, South Carolina's your USC junior in, in a lot of ways, but uh, let go of Clay Helton today, hit coach Clay Helton. Yes, they did. And I'm interested to hear your take on it because it struck me because what's going to happen, right? They're not going to hire somebody mid season. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're going to wait to to name the new guy until at least December, I would think, and maybe longer than that. So they can see what the coaching pool looks like. But as somebody who was a player, how would that, how's that hitting that lock? Like, I just feel like from an athletic department perspective, maybe the timing on that isn't quite right. Like, I don't know. I just feel like that unsettles everything and leaves the players just up in the air. You know, mm-hmm. I just, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. I mean, we, we sort of went through that when coach Rick departed and like, that was a huge change for us, even as players. And I mean, everyone knows coach Rick is like, like one of the, he belongs on the Mount Rushmore for UGA. And so it's like, I for sure didn't expect that. I mean, there were a couple rumors here and there, but I I was like, there's there's just no way. There's no way. And I'm on the inside and I'm on the leadership committee. Like, I I mean, and they still like, you know, I had no idea. And so uh, that shook us, but that, that happened like at the end of the year, like all we had left was the bowl game. So that's a lot different from, after game one, deciding to go with a coaching change. So, I mean, that just lets me know they were probably thinking about this before and, you know, already had a plan in place, uh, depending on how the season went. Um, and then after that loss that they had, that just, you know, that took the, you know, over the top to where they just felt like, okay, let's just go ahead and cut our ties right now. But I don't know. I, I feel like players would definitely be shocked. Um you know, you would definitely depend on your leadership to rally around. But it's it's a tough spot, especially you think about freshmen that are just coming in and, you know, they were recruited right. by him and then all of a sudden he's gone. And so, you know, you, you encourage players to, you know, get to know your teammates because uh, for the most part, teammates are going to be um, steady um, when they decide to uh, sign there. But you would hope that your coach – is like a more of a stable figure than even the teammates, but you never know because things happen. People get promotions, people uh, make changes. So I just think it's just, it's tough on the players for sure. Um, but hopefully they have a, I'm not too familiar with their staff, but hopefully they have somebody who's at least ready made to step in to be the interim coach that the players do enjoy um, him being there. And so that would be a shining light if maybe the players felt like, there's someone else who, you know, may not necessarily, you know, say, oh, we should we should have this person instead of the other. But maybe they feel like, you know, this guy is 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 ready made as well. And so we're going to rally behind him and hopefully have a good season. So Coach Rick has his book that was recently released, Make the mm-hmm. Call. And mm-hmm. so we had him on last week to come chat about it. And one of the things I thought was awesome that he talked about was when he made the decision to become the head coach at Georgia, he made it with the intention in mind that he would retire there. Mm 
that he could never imagine walking into a room and telling the assembled team, the guys that he had recruited and told, Hey, I need you to come be here and play for me. Hey, thanks for helping me get the job I wanted to get and then Mm -hmm. leaving, Mm -hmm. Um, which I just think is so just right on with how he is. Right. Like I just thought that was such a great embodiment of, of who he is and who he aimed to be as not just a head coach, but a mentor and a man. And obviously this is very different, right? Clay Helton didn't have a choice in this. Right. They made the switch. Yeah. I just, I just think from an administration perspective, it's, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough choice to make. I think for the kids, right? Like you bring up a great point. Cause that's immediately what I thought. I'm like, could you imagine being a freshman that was recruited by that coaching staff and makes the decision, Hey, I want to spend the next four years of my life at USC and play for coach Helton. And then <laughs> two games in he's out, right? Like right. I, Man, it's just, boy, that's tough. And I mean, that's, you know, I, I get it. It's a business and, and it is what it is, but it's still 18, 19 year old kids, you know? So you just kind of, man, it's tough, but um, it'll be interesting to see who they end up going after. I mean, that's a big time job, Huge big time job. job. Huge job. You think about the pedigree that USC has. Um, those are always huge sh- shoes to fill. And, you know, even, you know, Pete Carroll and, you know, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's just huge, the the footsteps that you have to walk behind. And uh, like you said, you know, you feel for the athletes that are there because, um, you know, that's a tough conversation that the new staff, the athletic director has to have with the players, especially with the new rules where players are granted one free, you know, pass. So that could, that right. could severely affect your team if you got a star guy who's like, you know, hey, I don't know what's going on here. I want to go somewhere where – there's more security or you have a, you know, star freshman that are highly tied to recruit where he's like, you know, I, I, I came here expecting to play underneath coach Helton and then things change. Um, does that change his decision to go play for a UCLA, Oregon, Arizona, Arizona state? You know, those are questions that you all have to be their entire, you know, athletic department has to be aware of when they make the decision and I'm sure they weigh those and um, you know, USC there, I, I never see a day where you don't get athletes to come there regardless of their record. Yeah. Um, but you know, those are all decisions and things that people have to think about. All right. Let's talk about something a little more positive mm-hmm. and I'm going to start it with this way, which is not usually the case. I feel like because offense is always the sexier topic. Mm-hmm. Let's talk, let's talk some dogs defense, man. Yes. I mean, Look, y'all had an absolute unit in 17. Mm-hmm. These, these boys are something else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What what have you seen through the first two weeks and what has really stuck out to you about um, about this 2021 defensive unit so far? Yeah. Well, well first, I want to say we, we did have a, a, a terrific defense, but – in 2017, but I, you know, I, I always want to uh, allow each team to kind of define their own path. And you see this group is doing it. I mean, coming off the first game, um, I'm sure the over under for the score <laughs> was nothing compared to what it actually was. Yeah. And so, you know, people, people, you know, expected Clemson, some people expected Clemson to win, you know, it was close here and there, but no one expected us to have that kind of performance on defense, but that specifically speaks to the coach's job and the coach's ability to get the team prepared for the game, which they fully were. And the things that I stick that stick out to me is just like something that's just been a staple of Georgia defense these past 
uh, few years and really, really every time. But, you know, it just really sticks out. It's just the speed and tenacity that these guys play with. I mean, yeah, you know, the front seven is just hungry, just hungry. I mean, you think about Clemson's quarterback in sack, what was that, like five, six times, seven times, like – you know, that's a nightmare. And then I'm listening to the, the TV and Kirk Hershey's like, hey, what should they do at halftime? He's like, you know, maybe, you know, if, if DJ's up for it, maybe you can call a couple more QB runs and get them involved in the run game. And I'm like, man, if I'm the QB, I'm not thinking about that at all. Like, <laughs> some screenplays, some, some quick routes, something like that. I'm not trying to run against them guys. I mean, they, they, I mean, they're huge. They're huge. And if you don't have the protection, um, it's not fun for them. And so you just see that jump off the screen. And um, even guys who, who didn't play a ton of plays, you know, were out there making plays. And that's what you want to see. You want to see great depth. You want to see people be able to come in and still make an impact and know their job and be able to perform. And that's what I'm seeing them do. And, you know, of course, you know, the secondary is what everyone was talking about before the year, but I thought they did a good job. I thought they did a good job. They had some places that I would say that uh, they need to, uh, you know, sure up, but, you know, ultimately it's a team game. And so some years your secondary might be your strong point and, you know, you, you hold up the end for your defensive line and linebackers. Other years it could be different. And so this team is going to get to define how they want to play defense and the coverages and calls they're able to handle and take on and ultimately have fun. And that's what those guys are doing out there. And that's what you love to see. You love to see guys flying around, having fun, jumping up, celebrating with each other. Like that's how the game is supposed to be able, be able to play. So they're playing fast and physical and, you know, I love to see it out there. Defense is my favorite part. Obviously, like, you know, high school, I was huge on offense, about playing offense. And then I got to a certain point where I'm like, man, I just I want to be the hammer and not the nail. And that's that's ultimately why I play defense. Yeah, you bring up a great point. And I think it's been an interesting storyline these first two weeks. Georgia's secondary all throughout the offseason was the talked about mm-hmm. defensive unit, right? That, hey, they could be the Achilles heel. We don't know what we're going to have. We lost two essentially first-round picks, right, because Tyson mm-hmm. was right on the outside of that yeah. first round. And you go, well, how are we going to replace this? And then Tyreek Stevenson transfers to Miami. And I saw a stat today, or, or maybe it was a tweet, that pro football focus, you know, they do all the rankings or whatever. And Georgia's currently – has the best coverage percentage of any secondary in the country so far this year. And, um, you know, I, I thought they've played beautifully so far. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they've just, and this is a, as a full defensive unit, but I think the secondary especially, and they've just played with, without much abandon, right? Like they have been um, not been scared. The guys look like they know their assignments. Mm-hmm. So they're just reacting instead of yeah. thinking. And, um, I mean, how how good did it do your heart to see Chris Smith make that play on the open at night? Get one I love for the it. Boys. I, I I love it, man. You know, we had a couple games like that during my uh, tenure at Georgia. Like we beat like Missouri, like seven to three. I remember the night we beat Auburn, uh, uh, like thirteen to seven. Um, and so those games, uh, you know, as a defense, you want to see the offense put up a bunch of points when you're playing well so the whole team is clicking but sometimes like it's your night to step up and you know that happens and other nights you know you don't have it going as much like in the Rose Bowl like we 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 didn't think we would give up that many points but the offense was there to have our backs and that's what you 
have as a team. And so um, seeing, seeing, uh, seeing somebody make a defensive play for a touchdown, you love that. And I got to give some shout outs. Uh, my guy, Brini, man, Brini, when I was there, he was a freshman, um, you know, had a little bit of trouble getting things together, but people develop at different, at different paces. And um, it started last year when I saw him make some plays versus Cincinnati, he was able to, to, to get out on the field and, and, and make a name for himself. And he brought that uh, to the table again, the first game of the season. And so, you know, like I said, there were questions about our defense, but, you know, uh, as at least what the reports were saying, Brady was supposed to be like a backup at nickel and, you know, he comes in and he's, he's making plays. So that just shows the depth that, you know, we have and the, the ability for the coaches to develop and for guys to grind and just compete with each other on a daily basis in order to be, you know, contributors to the team and, and make some great performances. So I love to see it out there. Also speeds, Amir speed. He was another one who was a freshman. While I was there and he was out there as well they gave him a bs uh pi, PI call that wasn't pi on him that was not pi, PI on no, him. no it, okay. it was not no <laughs> well i'm really really glad you bring up latavius brenny because for me he was my defensive mvp from game one mm-hmm. i thought um the drive where clemson had really their only shot to put right. an offensive touchdown on the board he he shut that he shut that goal line drive down mm-hmm. essentially i mean he just has – he stood up, and I thought he had a good game last week. And to your point, he's just been building off that game in the Peach Bowl. I think he got a lot of confidence in that. I think he's been there enough where he knew it was his opportunity and he leapt at it. Man, it's awesome to see. And same thing with Amir Speed, you know. Mm-hmm. Always thought he was great body guy at the corner position, kind of what Kirby likes, right? Like mm-hmm. long, lanky, like yeah. good speed. And we went to G-Day this year, and he looked great, G-Day. I, yeah. I thought he was fantastic. Um, stayed on receiver's hip the whole time we were there. I mean, it was it was great. Um, so, yeah, I, that, that's been a, a really, really pleasant surprise, that entire unit, the way they played the first mm-hmm. two games. And they're only going to get better because they're they're young in a lot of ways, you know? Yeah. Keely Ringo's young. Uh, Nyland Green is young. Jalen Kimber's young. And they're all super high ceilings, you know? And, uh, man, I was so fired up. To see Keeley get his first interception for Keeley, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But to see it, to see his mama's reaction after all yeah. she's been through, like man, mm-hmm. that was just a cool moment. I thought, yeah, so many great stories. I mean, I mean, you see him all over college football, but being that I went to Georgia, and I'm from Georgia, like I just naturally gravitate towards all the great stories that happen for players here at, at, at UGA, and you know, so many feel good stories. And it, it's so gratifying to see when it comes together on the field and guys who work their tail off, work their tails off for years to come. Um, some wait for their opportunities. Some are granted opportunities earlier, but nonetheless, capitalize on them. I, I love to see it, and um, I love to see even more when it's moving on to the next level. Um, I remember as a kid watching guys who were in college, and then they I follow their careers in the NFL, and so. Um, I'm sure there are, you know, small kids doing the same thing. And as I mature and see more of my friends in the NFL making making good moves, I want to continue to see some of these younger guys who were there, you know, while I was there uh, show up in the NFL because it just speaks to the program that UGA has continuously had over decades and 
you know, how we're trying to take it up to another level continuously year after year. I'm interested to get your take on this because the comparisons have been made since he got there, mm-hmm. but you had the opportunity to play with Rokon Smith, who was mm-hmm. obviously a transcendent talent at linebacker and Nicobe Dean, since he got on campus at Georgia has been mm-hmm. compared to Roquan, which gosh, how tough a comparison is that for, for a young kid. Right. Yeah. But he hasn't shied away from it and has certainly played his tail off since he's been there. And I've thought these first two games, he has been just game changing in not just his individual play, but the way he is commanding that defense. Mm-hmm. We were, we were at the game in Charlotte and there were multiple plays where you could see him, you know, whether it be verbally or with hand motions or just very animatedly getting people in the proper mm-hmm. positions and making sure they were in uh, positions to succeed. So from a, from a viewer's perspective, from a former player's perspective, what parallels do you see from them? And I guess what ceiling do you see for Nakobe? Yeah, I mean, I mean, first and foremost, for me and me personally, Roquan is like the best – interior linebacker that I've ever played with and probably seen as far as playing against in a team. I mean, I haven't seen anybody else make the impact on the field that he does. Like, I mean, there were times where two people missed their gaps and Roquan is getting a tackle for loss in the backfield. And so, like you said, transcendent talent for sure. And it was, it's an absolute travesty that he didn't make the pro bowl or whatever last year. So I'm, I'm sure I'm sure he'll make it this year, but, you know, going to Nicobe Dean, I think you hit it um, on the head. Like when you said that he's out there, not just making plays for himself, but commanding the defense. And I think, you know, during the Clemson game, they really highlighted, you know, he's an engineering background. Shout out to him. I, I took a, like a year of com- com- computer systems engineering classes. So I know how tough that is, but um, I mean, you see it, he's, he's smart like Roquan he sees the place happening before they actually happen. And then when he sees it, he's playing lightning fast. And so that's what you love to see. And I know that's what the coaches love to see out of a linebacker um, and uh, your your middle linebacker. And so um, those are the things that I think stand out more than anything is just his ability to see the play happen before it happens. And then when, when, as it's happening, it's like tackle for loss. It's, it's, it's sack. It's, you know, it's an explosive play for the defense. And I'm so happy to see him out there. And I think the sky's the limit for him. You know, he should, he should, you know, even if you don't want to be compared to Roquan, I mean, other people are going to compare you, um, which is fine, but you know, he's going to blaze his own path. And, you know, I think he should think that he should be better than Roquan. He should think that he should be the next, you know, anything, Lance Briggs, Ray Lewis, uh, Brian Erlocker, like go be that guy and uh, prove, prove it on the field. And that's what he's continued to do. So uh, I'm happy for, I'm glad he's on UGA's team. Yeah, us too, man. Us too. He's been, he's really been a joy to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to tell you a cool story too. We, we were on the sideline pregame for the Clemson game and the Kobe mm-hmm. was in the tent getting taped on the sideline. Mm-hmm. And Malik Herring came to the ball game. Yeah. And so he walks up the sideline and the Kobe saw Malik and he like mm-hmm. almost came off the table from getting his ankles taped. Like, yeah. Link, like, what's up? And you could just yeah. tell we saw like six or seven guys go out of their way during pregame to go see Malik. And I don't know, man, it was just a cool thing because you see 
how tight guys are and how much respect they have for each other. And like they were just so hyped up just to see him, you know, and they're about to play national TV against Clemson. I just thought that was, it was a really cool interaction to watch during, during the pregame stuff. So it was cool, man. Really yeah, cool. It's a brotherhood for life. Like it's, it's legit. Like you, of, of all the people who asked me, Hey, you know, do you miss, you miss playing or anything like that? Like anybody who I, I miss the game days, um, I can't say I'm still a fan of uh, having to do all the practices and all the <laughs> stuff you got to do as far as weight training, nutrition, and stuff like that. But the things you miss the most outside of the games, and probably even more than the games, is just the interactions in the locker room, on the plane, on the bus. Like those are the things that you never, you never forget. And so it's like, it doesn't matter. It's like, and it's crazy to think that like. You know, every team, there's 120 players, and it's like you play for four years. There's a little turnover here and there. 30 guys will come in, 30 guys leave, yada, yada. But you, I mean, by the time you finish playing, you you know 300 guys, like, almost personally. And that's not even counting all the former players or the, the young guys that you may – or the recruits that end up coming the next year. And so it's like it's, it's crazy how much of a brotherhood you build um, – going out there with your teammates every single day, whether it's summer workouts, during the games, practices, training camp. I mean, you just feel so close. I mean, so close of bonds that like, hey, I, I'm, I'm always the same way. If I see one of my teammates, one of my boys, one of my guys, like I'm going to shout out their name from wherever. So speaking in that same vein, I want to talk to you about one of your former teammates who had a monster day on Saturday. Not just one of your former teammates, but also uh, another aspect close to your heart, former walk-on as well. Stetson Bennett has a record-setting day on Saturday. Five touchdown passes in the first half, joining Aaron Murray as the only quarterback in Aaron history. Uh, Aaron Murray as the only quarterback in Georgia history to do that in the first half. Mm-hmm. Many have many have done it in a full game, but they're the only two to do it in one half. Um, how cool was that to see? And and what is I guess just speak a little bit because you know fans just don't know, but speak a little bit to the listeners about what kind of guy Stetson is. What what the Georgia program means to him um, from a vantage point that you're familiar with from wanting to be there from a passion perspective and then turning it into a scholarship opportunity later in your career. Yeah. I mean, you can't say enough good things about Stetson. I mean, you think about the fact that he was a walk-on quarterback left, got a scholarship to come. I mean, left, went to like a Juco, got a scholarship to come back to UGA Um and, you know, went through a up and down year last year, but uh, comes out, has no idea that he's going to have to step in and play for a guy that a lot of people have pinged as a Heisman favorite and still come out there and have the poise and have the confidence to go out there and have a game versus any any competition like, you know, you know, you it's UAB, it's off, whatever, like just having the confidence to go out there and perform like that. You can't say enough good things about him. And he has such a feel good story. And he's like, you know, he's, he's one of those guys. And so um, he's just, I'll tell you what, when we do, when he was a scout team quarterback, 
there were plenty of days where he threw for five yards. I mean, five touchdowns and 200, 300 <laughs> yards against us. And, you know, we had a pretty good defense. And so it's like you always had to be sharp versus Stetson. Like you could not relax. Like you cover your guy for three, four seconds, thinking you're okay. And the next, you know, he's throwing like a 50, 60 yard bomb over the top of your head. And, 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 and now I'm getting chewed out in the film room on the field, <laughs> regardless. And that was just Stetson. And he was, from my perspective, he was humble about it. Um, and so he just went about his business and he was, you know, fun to compete against. And I said the same thing last year that I was not surprised that he came in and was able to perform. I wasn't surprised. Now it is, it's hard to sustain that kind of level of play, especially in SEC. And so he didn't end up making all the way through the season, but you know, he should be committed just for what he was able to do. And I'm sure he has high goals for himself. And I hope he still is able to reach them. You know, you never know what happens. Um, so I hope he gets his shot. Um, and so I'm just happy to see him. And I'm trust me, any, any, any walk on that I see that goes out there and gets a scholarship or goes out there and performs like I'm rooting for them every single time. And so um, you just love to see it. Yeah, I uh, this is a true story. I was watching a game with the uh, Charleston alumni group on Saturday. And when he came out and had such a big game, you were first person I thought of. I was like, man, I know this is doing Aaron's heart good. Like former walk on coming out here, just balling out. Like he just had a big day, man. It was, it was really, really cool. So I, I love seeing it. Um, well, I want to, uh, I want to pick some games with you. You're our first return guest. Yes. From last year. Yes. I so, I'm a lot better than I did last year. Well, I told you, man, we, we put you in a tough spot last year because you had to pick week one. That's like the worst week to pick. And it was a COVID year. So like everything yes. was kind of, kind of off. So we got a, we got a pretty good slate of games this week. I mean, there's a, there's a, I guess I got five SEC games on the list and we got mm -hmm. five kind of out of conference games. So let's start with uh, the old big eight matchup. Nebraska yeah. going to, to Norman to play Boomer sooner. And Nebraska's had a tough time this year, and the desert yeah. seems to reflect that in their line. They have Oklahoma favored by 22 and a half. Yeah, and, uh, you saw that. Oh, man, it's wild. It's just wild, especially if you're like, like us. You know, you grew up and Nebraska was good. Like the yeah. 90s, Nebraska was really, really yeah. good. And then now, man, it's just they're just a shell of themselves. Yeah. And so they were like Taylor Martinez. They were, they were good. Yeah, and so Oklahoma, 22-and-a-half-point favorite over the Cornhuskers, which is just seems so crazy. But they do have Spencer Rattler, big-time offense, put up 70-some points on an FCS opponent they played last week. Who who you like in that one? I like Oklahoma, and, I, and, and I, I hate to say it, but I think they will cover that spread. Yeah, so Boss gave me his picks as well. Mm -hmm. Boss texted me about this one, and he said, Quote, Nebraska is hot garbage. Give me Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, it's hard to argue against that. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm going to take Oklahoma, too. I think that that Oklahoma offense is going to be way, way too much firepower for Nebraska. They are not the black shirt defense of old. Um, I know they're trying to get back to that, but, man, they are just not there yet. Um, I, I really do think Scott Frost was a good hire for them, and historically, with his playing career there, kind of seemed like a Coach Smart situation, right? Yeah. You just kind of thought the pieces would fall in. I just think it's one of those things where it's got to be a tough sell to get kids to go to Lincoln when they could go somewhere in the SEC or mm. you know whatever it may be. So 
I think he's fighting an uphill battle, but yeah, I, I'm with, I'm with you and with boss. I, I look for, for Oklahoma to roll and, and the, the faithful and Norman to be singing boomer sooner a lot on Saturday. Yeah. All right. Second game of the day, uh, Georgia's peach bowl opponent, Cincinnati mm-hmm. going into Bloomington to face an Indiana team that had high preseason hopes have started the season one and one Cincinnati is a road favorite with Desmond Redder and that loaded um, defense that they brought back three and a half point favorite over Indiana uh, on the road. Who do you like in that one? I like them to win that one. Uh, I'm a, I'm a fan of Cincinnati. Uh, they definitely showed some grit last year playing against us. And, you know, if they're able to, you know, continue to be the team that and build on what they had going last year, I think, you know, they'll be in the hunt for another uh, good bowl game this year. So I'm, I'm going to go with Cincinnati in this one. So boss is, is sticking with the home team. He was a little bit leery of the mm-hmm. road favorite in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm with you though. I like Cincy. I got to tell you, I fully expected going into the Peach Bowl last year that Georgia was going to walk the dog on them. I thought mm-hmm. it would be close for about a half. And then I thought the athletes, especially on the edge, would just overtake Cincinnati. Yeah, I was wrong. They were, they were ready, and that defense was locked in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, man, that Ritter kid is tough. I, he, yes. he made some plays against our defense last year that were impressive, and he's got experience. And, yeah, I, I like this Cincinnati team, and I, I like them to go into Bloomington and cover that. I, they've got a good ball team, for sure. Luke Fickle's a good coach, too. Yeah, I agree. All right, this one I know you got a keen eye on. Uh, yeah. Your old defensive coordinator, Mel Tucker, mm-hmm. going – Taking, taking his Michigan State Spartans down to Coral Gables and, and playing the U. And um, Miami is a six-and-a-half-point favorite, and, and they've looked rocky first yeah. two weeks. I mean, Alabama absolutely laid them out in Atlanta. And then App State went in there last week and gave them all they wanted. I mean, they were, they were lucky to get out of, get out of that mm-hmm. stadium with a win. I mean, they, them and the cat that fell in the flag, they, they, were, they both got out by the skin of their teeth. Did you see that video? Yeah, that was crazy. And it was like everybody in the stands was looking at him. And then he went from like two paws to like one paw. And I'm like, oh, my knee fell. But yeah. said, hey, he used one of his nine lives. Yeah, they caught him in that flag, man. They, were, they got him. Good on him. That was that was wild. But who, who do you like in this one? Miami six and a half point favorite. Coach Tucker's got Michigan State playing. They went to Northwestern and got a win to open the season and then worked Youngstown State last weekend. Mm-hmm. I mean. And I love Coach Tucker, so I just I, I root for them now, and and I think he seems to me, and you can speak to this, and in fact I, I'm going to ask you to speak to it. He just seems like a guy that you want to play for. Am I reading that right? Hands down, my favorite football coach that I've ever had on any level, NFL, college. Well, I have some special moments with some of my like rec coaches that is just unbreakable but as far as like high school college and like nfl hands down my favorite coach you know he's for sure a guy that you that you want to play for and you know his time at georgia was uh you know well deserved and and we accomplished a ton but you just always knew that someone like that he's just he's bred to be a leader of his own of his own men and so i'm so happy to see him that he ended up getting into the place that he wants to be and establishing the culture that he wants at Michigan state. And um, there's coach Tillman that's over there as well. So they got some guys that, you know, I'm, I'm very fond of. And like I said, I, I can't say enough 
great things about Coach Tuck. Um, the moments, the stories that I have are just unbeatable. The meetings are, oh my God, I wish, I wish we could have, you know, showed those meetings to the public, but um, <laughs> Coach, Tuck is, Coach Tuck is wonderful. And so I'm, I'm going to make this pick with my heart. Um, you know, Miami is the, is the favorite and, uh, you know, they probably have maybe a little more talent on their team, but uh, I think Coach Tuck is going to have the guys fired up. And regardless, I'm going to make a pick with my heart, and I'm rooting for uh, Michigan State to pull this one out. I, this is going to be a three-for-three three one. None of us are picking against Coach Tucker. Yeah, no. Bo- boss boss picked him. I'm picking him. I, I really wouldn't care who they play. I'm going to pick them just because I want him to succeed. And I'll be honest. I think this is a big statement game for him, right? Mm-hmm. If they can go down to Miami and beat the U, mm-hmm. start the season 3-0, and I think it gives his what he's doing there in year two a lot of credibility and a lot of push. So, man, yeah. not only am I picking it, I'm rooting for it. Like Same I here. want, I I want them to be successful. And yeah, I just uh, I'm I'm fired up with what they're doing. I was pumped when they beat Northwestern Week One, and I just uh, I think if they give him time there, he will reward that. I just yeah. there's no way he won't be successful. I just believe that. And so I agree. yeah. All right. Well, good. Well, we're all on Sparty then. Let me give you. Let me give you a, a kind of cool Georgia hook in to the Michigan State too. Okay. The the guy that designed the hairy dog mascot in 1980 mm-hmm. is a guy named Tom Sapp, UGA grad. Okay. Tom Tom started a business after he designed Hairy Dog called Tom Sapp Real Characters, mm-hmm. and like the. After Harry Dog got on national TV on ESPN in 80 for the national championship game, he got all these calls from around the country. Well, actually, they were calling UGA saying, who designed mm-hmm. your mascot? So they were like, Does Tom Sapp did. Well, one of the schools that called was Michigan State. So Tom Sapp, Georgia grad, mm-hmm. designed Sparty, who's nice. now been iconic mascot yeah, at Michigan great State. Mascot. For great mascot. Yeah. yeah. So a little UGA tie in there for, for Coach Tuck, too. So. Okay. Um, all right, so next game is, and this has just been one we've been picking ever since last season because they're such a fun school to watch, but uh, the Chanticleers from Coastal Carolina mm-hmm. heading, up, heading up to Buffalo. Buffalo had a great year last year. Their head coach from last year, Lance Leipold, is now at um, KU, mm-hmm. uh, which Coastal played KU last weekend and ended up covering after a slow start. But Jamie Chadwell's building something up there in Conway. And uh, they are 10-and-a-half-point road favorites. Who do you like in that one? I like them to win by two touchdowns. So I, I'm going to pick Coastal Carolina. Yeah, Boss was the same. Boss likes them. I, he actually texted me, Coastal big. So he, okay. he obviously is very confident in Coastal. Okay. I'm going to take him too, man. I like that Coastal team. And I think they still have a little bit of an axe to grind mm-hmm. from not getting to dance really with a big time opponent last year. Mm-hmm. I thought one of the cooler storylines of the COVID season last year was their um, kind of hurried midweek matchup with BYU where BYU came across the country to play them. Um, so, yeah, I love their story and I like them to cover that number against Buffalo. Although, boy, that is a tough trip up to Buffalo, New York on a Saturday. But, um, yeah, I think they'll cover that. All right, this is the big game of the week. I think this is probably the best game on the schedule, maybe outside of Arizona State BYU, which I also love this week. But uh, Alabama going into the swamp uh, to play Florida. 
and Florida has looked really up and down these last yeah. two weeks. It looks like they're they're trying to find it on offense. And mm-hmm. Alabama is is Alabama. They're doing what they do. Yeah. 15 and a half point road favorite going into the swamp. Who do you like in that one? I, I like Bama. And I, I think Bama's gonna win by three touchdowns. I, I really do. Could be more. Yeah, boss texted me and said, um, 15 and a half is not nearly enough. Bama will roll. And I, I don't disagree with him, man. That uh, Florida just seems, I don't know. It, it has looked to me like Anthony Richardson's probably the kid that should be taking the snaps. He has looked way more fluid than Emory Jones has. Um, and I, I think the problem with Florida is going to be the same, though. Their defense, they can't stop a nosebleed. Like. Yeah. Which is crazy because, I mean, Florida's traditionally been, you know, one of the best teams as far as defensive play, and they just they haven't had it. And that's part, that's just the reason why I, I don't think they're going to be able to uh, compete with Bama out there. I mean, they may keep it close in the beginning, but with shaky quarterback play and not a stellar defense, that's just not the recipe you want when you go against Alabama. So I, I see them winning by at least three touchdowns. Yeah, I, I'm on board with you. I'm taking I'm taking Alabama too. I just they're just gonna be too much, man. And it 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 could be over at half. Yeah. I mean they they just could overwhelm Florida early. I think I think with Bryce Young and their ability to get vertical, uh, man, they could put up some points in a hurry on that defense. Mm-hmm. Um okay this is a this is a bit of an interesting game. Mm-hmm. Mississippi Mississippi State going to the Liberty Bowl to play Memphis on the road. Uh, Mississippi State had a, I would say, a, a big win for them on Saturday night. NC State was coming off a wallop in a South Florida in their opener mm-hmm. and was actually favored going into Starkville. And Mississippi State came out and played good football. Um, so Mike Leach going into Memphis. Memphis has been good over the last few years, and they're playing at home. And Mississippi State is favored by three and a half. Over Memphis, who you like in that one? I think I'm still rolling with Mississippi State. Um, I like what they're doing. Um, you know, their coach is coming in and trying to shake some things up, and you see what they were able to do at the start of last year, um, and then they kind of felt it off a little bit. But I, but I do like what they're doing and trying something new, um, and so I think they're going to be able to beat Memphis. Yeah, I'm with you. I like Mississippi State here. I think they they build off the momentum from last weekend against NC State, and I think they go into Memphis and play a good ball game. Mm-hmm. I think that SEC West is going to be tough this year, and I think I think Ole Miss is the wild card in that, right? Like, yeah, Coach Kiffin going to have them boys putting up some points, and, and Matt Corral can sling it. And if they play mm-hmm. just a little bit of defense, that SEC West is going to be spicy, man. Yeah, I mean, they gave um, them a good run last year. Yeah, absolutely, and I just. Yeah, I just think they're going to be too much for Memphis. Boss taking Memphis, though. I couldn't believe okay. it. Okay. He, he's, you know, he, he loves the Cowbell Pirate ship. He loves Mike Leach, but he said I'm, I'm on, he's rolling with the Tigers. So he's, he's going Memphis. Um, well, this is another big game, and I, I think this is a prove-it game for Auburn, right? Mm-hmm. Auburn hadn't played nobody. They'd been playing JV <laughs> football the last two weeks and putting up 100 points each game almost. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they got one this week. They got to go into Happy Valley at night and play James Franklin's Penn State team. Mm-hmm. Penn State's favored by six and a half. My guess is with game day being there, it'll be a whiteout. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know that that um, 
atmosphere will be absolutely electric. Kirk Herbstreit has said multiple times it's his favorite atmosphere in college football, white out at okay. Penn State, which that is a statement, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, who do you like in that one? I think I'm going to go with Auburn with the upset. And I, and I don't think it'll be a big win at all. I think it'll be, you know, maybe three, four points at the most. But I think I will take Auburn with the upset on Penn State. Yeah, bosses, bosses rolling with Auburn too. Nice. This is this was the toughest pick of the week for me. I, mm-hmm. I don't know where to go with this because, man, I, the the beauty of this 2021 season thus far has yeah. been fans fans back in the house, right? Because mm-hmm. I think that's such a game changer in the college game is that home field advantage. It is, and I have not been to Happy Valley. It's on my list, but from everything I've heard, that environment is worth three points by itself, right? Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, I'm gonna roll the dice here, and I'm gonna go Coach Franklin and the okay. Nittany Lions. I'm gonna pick against the SEC. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna take Penn State. I, I will say this: I think it's an opportunity for Bo Nix to really make a statement on a national stage. Right. I think everybody's been waiting for him since he was a freshman to kind of take that next step, and he mm-hmm. seems like the guy that's got the juice, right? That can really do it, and just hasn't quite had up had a flag in the ground type game yet so I, i'm i'm real intrigued by this game especially because of the time slot um i will probably not watch a play of it because i'm going to be in a, i'm going to be in athens for the dogs yeah. game so um but that's going to be one to watch on the phone and everything just to kind of see what's going on so yeah i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna part with you and boss and i'm gonna go with okay. penn state but we'll see i think that's a really really interesting ball game okay um we, we talked about them a little bit already Mm-hmm. Ole Miss is hosting Tulane, Tulane team that went into Norman and ended up giving Oklahoma all they wanted. Almost, I think, almost hung 40 points on Oklahoma week one. Yeah. Ole Miss favored by 14 and a half. And, you know, I think we, we know what to expect from their offense. And the wild mm-hmm. card is going to be is their defense going to sustain itself like they did in week one against Louisville? So, what do you think about that game? Who do you like in that one? Uh, I like Ole Miss in this one. Um, I like Ole Miss, and I do think they'll win by larger than what the spread is. So I'm going to take a good Ole Miss performance, uh, especially because they're at home. Yeah, Boss is doing the same. Boss said they may double the spread. I said, yeah. boy, you like, you like the Rebels, man. <laughs> he likes them, some yeah. Ole Miss, likes them, some Kiffin. He, he does, man. He likes them. So, um I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take them too. I think mm-hmm. I think they are just gonna overwhelm Tulane with talent at a certain point. Mm-hmm. And I think I was impressed with their defense against Louisville. Granted, it was Louisville, but I, mm-hmm. I think their defense is is much improved. Um, okay, this next game I think is very interesting, especially yeah. given what BYU did against Utah this past mm-hmm. weekend. Arizona State and Coach Herm Edwards going up to Provo, really really tough place to play. They're gonna be a road favorite. They are favored by three and a half over mm-hmm. the Cougars. Who you like in that one? Oh, this is probably the closest one for me. So I think I'm just going to roll with Vegas and, and, and pick Arizona State. But I do think this is going to be like a 50-50 gimme game. So boss is rolling with BYU. I think he liked what he saw when they played Utah. Okay. This was, this was tough for me, too. I – I love Herm Edwards. Mm-hmm. I just think he just seems like the kind of guy, like if, if I'm thinking of it from a parent's perspective now and he came to recruit my kid, 
right. I would just feel awesome about my kid going to spend four years with Coach Edwards. Mm. Plus, I'm pretty sure Antonio Pierce is being groomed as kind of a head coach and waiting there. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved Antonio Pierce when he was a player. Yeah. So I, I like what they have going on from a coaching staff perspective. And I, I never understand how Arizona State's not a perennial top 10. I can't imagine that's a difficult place to recruit kids to come play. Great weather. The campus is full of nice-looking co-eds, mm-hmm. and they got cool uniforms, mm-hmm. great stadium. Like, it just seems like it'd be an easy place to recruit, right? I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I've gone back and forth on this so many times. I think I'm going to go with BYU. Okay. Stri- okay. Strictly, strictly because of Provo. Like, I just think that's one of the neater – stadium backdrops in the country Mm -hmm. i think it's an electric environment when they're playing well and i think that fan base after beating utah last week is just going to be fired up um i also love that this is a 10 15 kick because we got a nice little main dish Mm -hmm. in the late slot which you don't always get usually you're just looking to see if hawaii is gonna hit the over right Right. so (laughs) (laughs) so i mean it'll be nice to have a good ball game on when the dogs get done so okay the only reason that we're here um dogs are open in their sec slate back between the hedges gonna be a night game so we're gonna get to see those electric red lights uh fans are gonna light up sanford south carolina is coming in similar to us in some ways in that they've got some uncertainty at the quarterback position because of injuries uh their presumed starter at the beginning of the season luke Doty, has been fighting a foot injury they actually brought in their graduate assistant, Zeb Nolan, to start the first two games. Yeah, crazy, right? Um, Shane Beamer came out and said after the ECU game that uh, that Luke Doty should be 100%. So that's who I am expecting to see is Luke Doty. Um, and Vegas loves the dogs. The yeah. number is something like six or seven points bigger than it was against UAB last week. Wow. So uh, it is a 30-and-a-half-point spread that the dogs have to cover. So I guess for this one, we'll, we'll do a little expansion on it. Give me your thoughts on the game and then tell me if you like the dogs to cover. or not. My thoughts is I think the Georgia defense is going to show up the way the Georgia defense has shown up these past couple of games. And you think about it being tough for a team to be switching back and forth between quarterbacks and like, is he ready? Is he not ready? The timing with the receivers. Um, And I don't know how much, you know, the guy has been practicing versus not practicing. And then, so I think it's going to be a hard sell for South Carolina to put up a good number of points on us. And so, I think this red is, I mean, that's just a huge spread, but huge number. <laughs> uh, the spread is the only thing that worries me. I mean, I think we're going to win. We're going to win big um, by 31 points. I can see it, but at the same time, I can also see like, cause I mean, South Carolina, they typically always play us tough. There's only been like a couple of years where, you know, we just dismantled them like the, the, the year that, Grayson Lambert threw 24 for 25, which is great. But other than that, you know, regardless of the records, South Carolina typically is always a tough game. Um, So I'm not too sold on the spread, but, hey, you know, I'm a dog, so I'm going to say take the over. I like it. I like it. 
boss boss feels good about it. He's taking the dogs, and mm-hmm. he's he's he gave me a final score of forty nine to ten dogs. I'll ask you that too. We think final scores with me. What's your prediction on that? I don't even see them putting up ten. I mean, I think they. I mean, that they, yeah, they could, but I I would say more in the lines of like a like a thirty eight to three type day, um, thirty five to three, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like that score. I, I'm with you. For me, it's the offense is secondary. Mm-hmm. For me, the the turning point here is the defense. Mm-hmm. And South Carolina was just fine in their opening week. They, I'm pretty sure they played an FCS school, and the grad assistant played just fine. But then, you know, to go play East Carolina last week, who App State just manhandled in mm-hmm. Charlotte to open the season on a Thursday night, and it took everything they had to get right. past East Carolina and they barely put up 20 points and um, East Carolina, not, not exactly world beaters. I yeah. would say, yeah. <laughs> um, I just think whoever's playing quarterback, I, I, I wrote an article earlier this week and I, I said, whether it's Luke Doty or Zeb Nolan, I said, hell, if they want to call Steven Garcia and bring Steven yeah. Garcia back for a game, <laughs> it don't matter. Yeah. I'm, Whatever quarterback is in there is going to be seeing triple and is going to be getting hit all day long. And I, I saw a stat today that said that South Carolina has the um, something like the worst pressure rate mm-hmm. via their offensive line of any offensive line in the Southeastern Conference. Mm-hmm. So you combine that with what Georgia is doing in that front seven, it's going to be a long day to be a Gamecock fan. Yeah, um, not, not a good recipe. And I mean, you just, it's just always tough whenever you get a new head coach. Yeah. So first year typically is rough. It's typically rough. I mean, you got culture changes, brand new staff, possibly, you know, more players. So it's like, it's always going to be rough. So, you know, I think it's going to be tough sledding for South Carolina. Yeah, I, I do too, man. And, and I really do think whether JT ends up playing this week or whether they decide, hey, look, It'll be good because it's an oblique and that's a real funky injury. Mm. Let's let him get another week of rest until we get into the meat of this schedule, especially with Arkansas coming to town in two weeks, who looks tougher than I think people anticipated. Mm. Um, and I think Setson showed last week he's perfectly capable of yeah. th- that offense putting up mm. points. So I love the dogs in this one. I think they'll cover the 31. I'm with you. The only thing that gives me any hesitation about that big of a number is that historically South Carolina doesn't come and just lay down when they play Georgia. No, no. Um, it's always hard fought, you know, even the 2017 game after you guys get uh, ranked number one in that first CFP, mm-hmm. it wasn't like that was a blowout that no, week. I mean, they, they, they fought and clawed that week and it was tight, tighter than everybody expected. I mean, it was never in question. It was one of those games where like, if you watched it, it felt like, Georgia was winning by 40, but, you know, the final score was tighter than that. And so that's the only thing that gives me any little hesitation. But I, I will say the way they played against UAB has shifted my mindset on this team. Mm-hmm. And Kirk, Kirby's been saying this a long time, right? The standard is the standard. Right. But this team really seems to be eating that, right? Like, they came out last week, and it was as if they were playing Alabama. Yeah. I mean – they just lit UAB up all day long. And that UAB team is a good football team. They are. They are. Like, I don't know. I was very impressed with how they came out. So so I like the dogs big. I'm with you, though. 
I like a 38 to three. That seems more in line with my expectation. I do not think South Carolina scores a touchdown against this defense. I don't. Yeah, me either. Me either. Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Cause he was there when you were there. What kind of, what kind of coach is Shane Beamer? What, what are South Carolina fans getting with Shane Beamer as a head coach? Not just, um, you know, not just X's and O's, but kind of how he is in the locker room and, and how he'll recruit and all those type things. Yeah, I mean, I mean, for when I was there, he was a special teams coach. And so um, we had one of the top special teams in the SEC, top in the country. And so that just speaks to the work that, you know, he puts in. And you look at his, you know, his lineage. I mean, I just remember growing up watching Virginia Tech. And I mean, they were like the, the special teams uh, yep. in the country. And so you see that happening. But, you know, Coach Beamer, he was always he was fiery. He was fiery in the meeting. That's for sure. Um, he was fired up and he had the meetings going um, and he loved it. You could tell he loved his job. And um, I think that's what South Carolina is going to get somebody who's going to put in the work, somebody who's going to enjoy working there. And then he's going to demand excellence out of players. And that's what you need. And that's what South Carolina's used to because they're used to being a top program and they haven't been that for quite some time. And so, um, you know, hopefully he can resurrect them to some degree, except when they play UGA. Right. Um but uh, I like I, I like Coach Beamer, and you know he was he was easy going to talk to, um, you know on a personal level. But during those meetings, he was he was fired up about that special teams, and uh, that's what you want to see though, because um, you know a lot of people neglect the importance of special teams, but it's it's an actual phase of the game that decides so many different games, whether it's field goals, you know possessions on the on, on the field, kickoff, punt return, you know you get a dynamic person who's a returner and that's just a difference maker. And so um, special teams is huge. And he's able, he was able to do that for, you know, quite some years, move on to Oklahoma in an assistant role. And now he's running his own show. So um, I'm wishing him nothing but the best. I think one thing he has going for him too, and you can speak to this, but I attended my first game at South Carolina last year. So it was a little bit muted, but I think when they got a packed house and you tell me if I'm wrong on this, that seems like an electric environment when they come out to their pregame and that whole thing. I mean, that place rocks. Out of all the stadiums we played in, South Carolina was by far the worst. Not that it was the loudest or the most fans, but it was like, I mean, I mean, we would talk about it in the meetings, how they got like the, they're like Pittsburgh with the terrible towels or whatever. And yeah. And all that year, all these wild uh, cuckoo chicken noises going off every time somebody <laughs> makes a play and their fans are like dirty man their fans like we're like throwing stuff at us one time when we're walking in the locker room so oh no yeah you know it, it it happens i guess but you know south carolina's a tough environment they call what they call it, like the sandstorm or whatever so it's like yeah they they, they it, it's not easy playing there at all and so you know it's 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 tough sledding whenever you have to go in there. All right, Aaron. Well, that's our that's our ten games. I got to tell you, man. I'm rooting for you to go like ten and zero. I'm 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 hoping so. I'm hoping so. Ten and zero. I need a perfect week, especially after my performance from last year. I like a lot of your picks, though. I'm on board with a bunch of your picks. So if you do well, I'll do well. So I'm yeah. I'm, I'm ready for it, man. Yeah. Well, uh, well, look, Aaron. We we're so appreciative of you coming on to hang out with us as always. You know, we've said this a bunch, but you're one of our favorites. So. Um, always love getting to talk to you, love catching up. So happy for all the exciting things you got going on. And we'll be thinking about you and your lovely fiance as y'all are getting ready for your April wedding. And that's super exciting. Where's the wedding going to be? 
in Georgia? Um, yeah, we our location is uh, upstairs Atlanta, so it's a they oh, just yeah. built like a new uh, facility, so it's gonna be it's gonna be quite the show. That's awesome, man. Well, um, that's exciting, and a lot of things exciting going on in the the land of Georgia football as well. So it's gonna be I think it's gonna be a good year for the for the future Davises. Yeah, uh, excellent year. So we're we're excited about our future, and um, you know, just love living life out here. So. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure coming on the show, and uh, I look forward to the next time. Yeah, man. Well, as we always close out, go dogs, sick them. Go dogs, sick them. Hey, George is better now.